Grab a seat, guys. It's so really good to see you, as always. Um, we are looking at Isaiah chapter 9, um, continuing our uh, Christmas in Isaiah series. And it'd be really helpful if you had that open. Uh, that is on page 573. And uh, today we come to one of the real pinnacles uh, in the Bible. And it's been a real treat to prepare it this week. Uh, but let's pray before we go any further. Father God, please help us to believe your word as we look at it this morning. Please speak to us through it by your spirit. And we pray that the truths we look at would not blow over us this morning, but would sink deep into our hearts. Amen. Well, if you are around last Sunday, uh, and if you weren't late, uh, then you might remember um, uh, that I quoted uh, this guy at the start. Um, well, it said this quote, if you keep going on the slides, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, to practice Advent is to lean into an almost cosmic ache, our deep wordless desire for things to be made right. I think we all feel that ache sometimes, don't we? For things to be made right. Uh, maybe Christmas um, actually brings that out even more sometimes, even in the, the joy and the celebrating. Uh, maybe it's because uh, joyful times with family and friends uh, make us recognize that uh, there are some who don't have that. Uh, or maybe we feel we don't have that. Or maybe it brings up um, past memories of joyful times with those who we now miss deeply, uh, or those who uh, were well but are now sick. Uh, maybe like me, uh, you turn on the news and, and you see the conflict in, um, in Ukraine and in Gaza and um, the ongoing wars, uh, the conflicts that, that don't even make the press. And um, it just seems so hopeless. Uh, they're so pointless in so many ways, aren't they? And yet they just drag on. And um, all the while, people's lives are torn apart. Uh, maybe there's some particular darkness that comes to mind for you uh, as you think of uh, that ache. Uh, maybe it's some, there's something that is just always on your mind. Uh, something that weighs you down. If we spent too long running on these things, we could end up in a very dark place, couldn't we? But that, that is where this passage starts off this morning. But I promise that it won't be where we finish uh, when we get to the end. God's people in Isaiah's day uh, were being squeezed on all sides. Uh, they're surrounded by uh, stronger, hostile nations. Uh, and so they're, they're tempted to turn away from God and, and dabble in the occult uh, and other things and turn away from him. Uh, that's what we see at the end of chapter 8. Uh, but these things only lead, um, if you look at the last verse of chapter 8, verse 22, they only lead to distress and darkness, uh, the gloom of anguish. Uh, being thrust into deep darkness. Verse 1 of chapter 9 tells us that in the former time, he, God, brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Uh, to do a quick bit of geography, um, these were both uh, northern tribes sitting to the west and the northwest of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and God brought them into contempt in the sense that um, uh, their lands were invaded 
uh, by the Assyrians in 732 BC. Uh, the Assyrians, you might know, were the, the powerhouse nation of the time. Uh, and you can read about it in the book of Two Kings. Uh, but that northern kingdom uh, was like a 200-year-long, uh, or more than 200 years, uh, exercise in, in abandoning gods. Uh, and he brings judgment on them. There was deep darkness. And yet you see, at the start of chapter 9, there is a glimmer of hope. Even for the northern tribes who had been faithless to gods, uh, verse 1, there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. Uh, God is gracious. He, he refuses to let go of his false and faithless people, uh, even people living in their own self-chosen spiritual darkness. And Isaiah tells them that there is a massive change coming. Do you see that in verse 2? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light now, Isaiah writes in the past tense because he, he has seen the future in a vision and it is so certain that it is as if it has already happened. And what is this, this incredible change, this great turnaround going to be like? Well, verse 3, it's going to be a celebration. We read, you have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy, they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Uh, the coming of this great light into the world, this massive turnaround, uh, is going to bring a joy and a praise that cannot be contained. Uh, it will bring rejoicing and praise that, that you just have to let out. And I, Isaiah gives us um, two different pictures uh, of, of this joy that it's going to bring. Uh, it's like the joy uh, when you bring in the harvest, uh, and it's like the joy when you're victorious in battle. Uh, I, I don't know if um, anyone has been tempted to watch Clarkson's Farm on Amazon Prime. Um, uh, whatever you think of Jeremy Clarkson, uh, it's fascinating to just learn a bit about farming. Um, if you've ever watched Tractor Ted with little ones, uh, it's like Tractor Ted for grown-ups. It's great. Um, but um, one of the things that... Um, so clearly comes across uh, in that series, uh, it's just how important it is to get the harvest in at the right time, uh, and how easy it is for it to go wrong. Um, do you, it, it can go wrong because of the weather, it, it can go wrong because of so many different things. Uh, and it would have been even more critical back in Isaiah's day when they were, um, when they were relying on that harvest to survive. Uh, and it would have been such a, a great relief uh, to finally have the harvest safely gathered in uh, without it being ruined, uh, without it being spoiled. Uh, it would bless them for, for months afterwards and they would celebrate the harvest having been gathered safely. That's the joy that this great turnaround uh, will bring. And it will also be like the joy when you win a victory in the battle, uh, when you've actually survived. Uh, and when you get to divide up the, the goodies, um, the plunder uh, between you. But notice here in Isaiah, uh, this isn't just some sort of general happiness or celebration. Uh, we see in verse 3 that they rejoice before you. Uh, they are rejoicing in God's presence. They acknowledge that it is God 
who has brought this joy and this gladness. But wait a minute, why is there this rejoicing and joy? Why, why this gladness? Well, that's what we see in verses four to six if we keep going. You might notice that each verse starts with the word for. For this has happened. This is why there's going to be this joy. Here's why there'll be this joy and praise. Verse four, four, the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day at Midian. Uh, Verse 4 gives us a picture of liberation and freedom, doesn't it? Uh, The words um, uh, take us back to uh, Israel's time in slavery, uh, yoke, rod, staff, oppressor. But we're told that God is going to smash the hardware of slavery as on the day of Midian. Here we're supposed to um, pull up uh, the scene from Judges chapter 7, where Gideon is uh, facing the Midianite army, and um, the Israelites were outnumbered by an absolute mile, uh, if you know the story in Judges 7. There wasn't a sliver of a hope of victory, and yet God gives Gideon and the Israelites uh, a resounding and total victory. Uh, And it was one of those situations where uh, you can only ascribe it to God. It could only have been God's work that they were victorious. He gave them the victory in the face of impossible odds. And we see that God is going to do something that seems impossible again here in Isaiah. And we see this victory over oppression uh, is possible because God is going to bring peace. Do you see that in verse 5? He's going to impose peace. For every boot of the tramping warrior, uh, all the blood-soaked clothing of war... Uh, It's going to be sent up in smoke. Uh, Combat boots and khaki uh, and uh, ammunition vests, they're going to be burnt on the fire. Uh, There will be peace. So we see celebration, uh, we see liberation, we see peace. That is what this great turnaround is going to bring. But before we go any further in the passage, uh, notice that Isaiah isn't just describing these things. Uh, do you see that they're also praise? Uh, do you see how much he says the word you? Uh, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. You have broken the yoke, rod, and staff. Uh, you have done it, God. It's all your doing. I don't know whether you've ever had um, someone surprise you with like a birthday meal or um, uh, a holiday they've organized or, or something they've just put loads of effort into a present. Uh, maybe it's that uh, you walked into the kitchen on your birthday and there was a table full of all your favorite homemade puddings. That'd be class, wouldn't it? Um, but, but when you see something like that and you realize how much effort the person has put in, you just can't help but say, you did all this? You just can't help but respond. And in a similar, but on a a far, far bigger scale, uh, as Isaiah describes these things, uh, this bringing about of joy and relief and security, uh, he overflows into praise to the one who has made it happen, 
God did all this. But we still haven't got to the climax of uh, why there is going to be this rejoicing and praise, this joy. Uh, And that's in the third verse that starts with four. Now, do you see that in verse six? This final four explains everything. It explains the, the change from darkness to light uh, in verses 1 to 2. Uh, it explains the, the joy and rejoicing in verse 3, uh, the freedom we see in verse 4, uh, the peace in verse 5. What is going to bring about this incredible turnaround? To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. This child changes everything. And Isaiah shows us why uh, by telling us uh, what this child will be called in verse 6 and what his regime, what his kingdom will be like in verse 7. Do you see verse 6? This child will be called Wonderful Counselor. uh, Or you could say Wonder Counselor. Uh, The the wonder word has a a sense of the incredible or supernatural about it. Uh, This counselor offers far more than any human could ever offer. Uh, it's the same word um, uh, that's used back in Genesis. You might know the story of um, uh, God telling uh, Abraham and Sarah that Sarah is going to have a child at age 90 and that they're incredulous. How could you possibly have a child at age 90? Uh, and God asks, is anything too wonderful for Yahweh, for God? No, he can do wonders. This wonder word is also used in Psalm 139, where King David speaks of God's incredible knowledge. And he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. It's above us as human beings. And this is the language used of this child for us. Wonderful counselor. This counselor gives counsel uh, and offers wisdom that is way beyond anything that we can attain as humans. Uh, This child and king knows the right path at any time. His wisdom is perfect. Uh, He's so different to the kings of Isaiah's day who who just constantly messed up and went astray, uh, as do our leaders today. And as a counselor, he offers his wisdom to his people What a blessing to have that wonderful counsel made available to us. This child is also called Mighty God. Back in chapter 7 that we looked at last week with Ken, um, he was called Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, And here he is called Mighty God. Uh, This child is flesh and blood. He's one of us. But at the same time, he is also Mighty God. Uh, He can be relied upon with confidence. He has the power and the might to fight for and defend his people. He's also called Everlasting Father. Uh, A father forever. Always a father. A good father. If Mighty God speaks of uh, God's, uh, this this child's strength and power, uh, Everlasting Father speaks of his care and concern uh, and um, protection of his people. 
And then he is Prince of Peace. Uh, if you look at the context here, um, verse 4, we, we read about the tools of oppression, didn't we? Uh, verse 5, the, the boots and the clothing of war. Um, verse 7, a, a government bringing peace with no end. Uh, you can see that the, the peace talked of here uh, as the Prince of Peace uh, is not, um, uh, it's not some sort of uh, weak uh, and fluffy peace. Uh, it's the peace when all opposition is taken away. Uh, it's the peace that is won by a great victory, meaning the opposition is defeated and finished. And so there can be peace forever. This Prince of Peace has the power to bring about peace and to keep it that way. Uh, do you see that in verse 7? Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. We're told he will establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. This child is far superior to the Assyrians back in Isaiah's day and far above any of the big shots of our day. He is the Prince of Peace. And we might not think to look to a child as the answer to to the darkness uh, as the answer to all the problems in our world. Uh, but if we are looking for light in the darkness, freedom from oppression, uh, a perfect kingdom of peace that has no end, uh, we must look to this child. Uh, that is where it begins, uh, in a feeding trough in Bethlehem, that first Christmas when Jesus was born. Let's just press pause for a second here and stop to think about what we've looked at. These names and the depth and riches of what they mean. A wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. The things that this child will bring, celebration, liberation, a peace with no end, a rule of justice and righteousness forevermore. As we think of the darkness that we talked about at the start, and then think of these things, is it not incredibly moving? How can we be unmoved by this? As I was preparing this week, I just suddenly had this moment where I was quite overwhelmed by it all as I thought about the deep aches that I feel personally for certain things to be made right, as I thought of those in our church family who have fled conflict, as I thought of our slavery to sin and guilt, as I thought of those in the church who have passed away recently, and yet this child born that first Christmas changes everything. He gives us hope. Isaiah speaks of joy and rejoicing before the Lord. Uh, he praises God. And if we really get this, if we let it sink in this Christmas, uh, we won't be able to contain our joy and our praise. Uh, we'll just have to let it out. We'll say, you have done this 
O Lord my God. But here's the but. (laughs) Maybe you're also tempted to think, it just seems too good to be true. Do you feel that? Certainly must have felt like that back in Isaiah's day, mustn't it? Uh, 700 years before Jesus was born, uh, things were looking bleak. Uh, They're being attacked from all sides. uh, And they're told that a child is going to stop the gloom for those who are in anguish. Verse 1. Uh, A child is going to bring great light into deep darkness. Uh, Humanly speaking, it sounds impossible, uh, ridiculous in some ways. But do you see how Isaiah finishes this section at the end of verse 7? We're told, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Uh, Humanly speaking, this is impossible. However much progress we make uh, as humankind, and we're never going to get there. But it's the zeal, the burning energy of the Lord God that is going to do this. And around 700 years after Isaiah, uh, a baby was born. He was given the name Jesus, meaning the Lord is salvation. Uh, And when he grew up, he he started proclaiming the nearness of the kingdom of God. Uh, And guess where he began his ministry? Matthew tells us in his gospel, uh, it's up there on the screen. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 13. uh, And leaving Nazareth, he, Jesus, went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. The very region that had been plunged into darkness and devastated by the Assyrians was the first to see that great light, Jesus and his teaching and his testimony. Isaiah's prophecy was starting to be fulfilled by the zeal of the Lord. Uh, God does not need our strength or our brains uh, or our wisdom. His answer to what our world needs is so different to our expectations, isn't it? His answer is Jesus. Uh, He sends a child into the world uh, and that child grows up uh, and dies to defeat the evil one. So there can be an end to the darkness. Uh, And one day he will return, uh, not just to make a few small tweaks, uh, but to remove evil and darkness forever and to establish his kingdom of peace and justice and righteousness forevermore. Uh, God is faithful to his promises and he will finish what he has started. Uh, And if we look to him for our wisdom, uh, if we believe and trust him now, then we can be part of that perfect kingdom. Uh, And we can have hope this Christmas, even in the darkness. I wonder if you've ever had um, one of those moments where you, um, you, you just don't really quite want to believe that something is true. It just seems too good. Uh, It would be too painful if it wasn't true. 
Uh, imagine uh, some parents whose child has been kidnapped and they haven't seen them for months and they're told that the child has been set free uh, and they just don't quite want to believe it yet. Uh, but God will finish what he has started. Uh, he gives his promise of the Messiah's rule into the, the fiasco of 8th century Israel exactly when it seems most unlikely because he wants us to know that what may seem unbelievable is not only possible but certain. Uh, like Gideon's victory over the Mid Midianites, uh, Isaiah says, it's the zeal of the Lord of hosts that is going to bring this about. So believe it. Let it sink in again this Christmas. And as we do that, uh, my prayer is that we will rejoice before the Lord, uh, like at the harvest. Uh, we'll praise his name this Christmas. Uh, we'll bow down in worship. We'll hold on to that hope, even in the darkness. Uh, and we'll hold it out to others. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And he changes everything. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you that this child is for us. We thank you that he brings great light into a world of great darkness. We thank you for this amazing picture of his kingdom. And we pray uh, as he prayed, may your kingdom come. Hallowed be your name. Amen.